You're listening to Welcome to Eloma, a podcast for highly ambitious dreamers who get shit done. I'm your host, Kylie Peters. This is a space where we talk about vulnerability in building your business. So I've been working with an amazing coach for a couple of years now. And the reason I first started working with her was I wanted to become a better leader. I felt like my team at the time was challenging me to step up and become a better leader. And in working with her, I really loved doing that work. And so I started at the beginning of 2021 to become a certified coach just because I wanted to learn more about the process, try to figure out what those skills look like, et cetera. But then as I realized, you know, 2021, 2020 challenges, 2021, more challenges. But I realized that becoming the quote unquote, becoming a better leader can mean a lot of different things. And one thing I was starting to realize was one thing I really needed to work on was becoming a more vulnerable leader. And well, I'm most people who know me know that I love love and I feel all the feels. And in like my personal life, I'd say I'm pretty vulnerable, but I think it shows up differently or we tend to show up differently as leaders when it comes to our business. I know for myself, I oftentimes, maybe to my own fault, try to act like a mama bear to my team and protect them and shield them from so many things. And I realized over the last year or so that maybe that's not necessarily always the best approach. So I've been working on vulnerability and and becoming a more vulnerable leader. And uh, I'm really excited to introduce today's guest because I think Jackie Hermes has been a beautiful example of vulnerability, both in business and in leadership. And she's been really brave and courageous to be a vulnerable leader via public platforms such as social media, et cetera. So for those of you who may not know, Jackie is the CEO of Excelity, a Milwaukee, Wisconsin-based agency. So we we both live here in the Milwaukee area. They help software-as-a-service startups to get more revenue, grow faster, and as an original founder of Women's Entrepreneurship Week, which, again, we both share that in common. I'm not a founder. I'm just a fan. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's an original founder. She has over 85,000 followers on LinkedIn, so she's done a real bang-up job growing that audience. She likes to spark discussions on daily life, challenges of growing a bootstrapped company, her adventures in personal development, as well as so many more things. She's a mentor for student startups via the Commons. She also mentors female professionals via Building Brave. She's an advisor with Golden Angel Investors and coaches so many different early stage startups. In addition to her professional involvement, Jackie is also an adoptive foster parent and is hopeful she will have hobbies outside of working in the near future. Aren't we all? So without further ado, welcome, Jackie. Thank you. God, I was like trying to finish that bio and I was like, what hobbies can I put in here? Really? I know, right? <laughs> So he's like, likes long walks on the beach. Yeah, I should should put that in there. (laughs) That would actually be hilarious. I think think in mine, I'm like, I like yoga pants, sweatpants, and rom-coms. I like all of those things too. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, give me a good rom-com and a hoodie and sweats any day of the week. Actually, my sister was just over this past weekend. And she's like, wow, you look comfy. I was like, this is from Costco and these are from Costco. And she was like, 
Wow, Kylie, really. That is so Midwestern. I love that. (laughs) I have to stop myself from saying they're like, that's so cute. And I'm like, thanks. I got it on sale. It was only $15, you know, and that is also so Midwestern. (laughs) Always like this was the deal. Look, I'm so proud. I love it. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Amazing. Okay. Well, we can talk about all of our deals and Costco runs, but talking about business. So Jackie, I know as, as mentioned, like we both run agencies here in the Milwaukee area. And I think we both started roughly around the same time. I think you're a few years older than my agency. And we've definitely kind of gone about things in different ways, but nonetheless, running a business is tough and tricky, but I feel like running an agency is like a special kind of difficulty. Like Mm -hmm. it moves fast. It's fast and furious. It changes all the time. And then over the last couple of years, we've also had this fun thing called this pandemic that we've been navigating. So with those additional layers of challenge added on top, how have you been navigating the last couple of years? Oh God. I mean, it's been a ride. I, we like made it through 2020 and I was like, Oh yay, this is over now. No, yep. it's, yeah. it's still not over to this yep. day. I feel like we're still feeling the effect of it clearly as we sit in our homes and work. Uh, well, although we are still paying for an office that, so that's a good time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how we've navigated it. I think that I had to get even more honest with my employees during COVID. And it was like, I was kind of forced to, we lost 40% of our business in the first maybe two weeks Holy of cow. COVID. And we had mm, maybe 15 team members at that time in March of 2020. Um, I had to bring, I brought everyone down to 80%. So people were like still working most days. Some people weren't working Fridays, but I didn't really, I didn't have a choice. It was lay people off or like everyone just take the hit and let's do this for a few months and let's sell our butts off and get everyone back to full time. And that's exactly what we did. But I had to tell them really what was going on where I Mm -hmm. have those model bear tendencies too, where I'm like, oh, protect them. And it's okay. I'll drain my savings so that I can pay everyone because I took this risk and I should bear the the effects of it. And in, yeah. in that moment, it was just like, you know, I felt like there was nothing that I could do and buying decisions were hard to come by and people didn't have budgets. And some people were just leaving their contracts because they were scared. Right. And it was like, yeah. I had to be honest about that. The entire team stuck with us through that period. And we ended up being able to bring everyone back full time within, I think it was like three or four months. That's awesome. It wasn't fun. It was not fun to deal with. That's a huge, a huge hit to take. That said, I've heard of people that lost like their entire business when COVID started or 80% yeah. of their revenue when COVID started. So yeah, when I look at those facts, I'm like, oh, well, maybe, maybe we had it easy. I don't know. <laughs> well, to be fair, I don't think anyone had it easy regardless of no. what amount of business they may or may not have lost. I think as an owner, like one, you're, you're navigating these uncharted territories as a human, mm-hmm. as, as a mother, as a person. And then it's also, you're navigating them as a leader, as a business owner, somebody who's responsible for other people's livelihoods and their families. Mm-hmm. So without revealing too much information, like how did you approach some of those tough decisions and and how did you make the decision as to how much information to share? Like, how did you go about it? I think usually my tendency up until maybe three or four years ago would have been to just 
pretend everything was fine. And like, I think mama bearing is a nice way to put what I was doing where I just wasn't, <laughs> wasn't being transparent with my employees. Uh, I, which I thought was for their own good, but then it left them feeling uneasy because they were like, uh, we know something's up and you're acting kind of weird and you're not telling us what's going on. And it leaves people to form their own conclusions. And I learned that yep. the hard way when I had like, I don't know, five employees and we couldn't make payroll multiple times that year. And I was putting all the money that I had into the company to make payroll. And it was so stressful for me. And then when I finally ended up telling them about it at that time, they were like, oh, we knew. We knew something was up. You should have just told us. And so I think that that framed how I handled all of this, where I was like, you know what? I might as well just tell everyone. Just and tell if people them. quit, then they quit. But I, I mean, I think I told them we lost 40% of our revenue. We're doing this as fairly as possible. So, you know, there were some people that had more work and some people that had less work and we're all going to take this hit together. And we are going to do X, Y, Z. Like we looked at the way that we sell, we reduced our contract lengths. We started doing project work, which we usually don't like we got a lot more creative about how we were going to sell and get money in the door and took some smaller deals than we normally would. And it's like, whatever it takes to get us back to. Yeah. And it's interesting because then we had to work our way back out of that. Like, okay, yep. now we want to increase our contract lengths and then, and the minimums that we'll accept back to where we were before. And you know, it's been a journey. So I think communicating with them about what happened with the company is important. And also, like, here's what we're doing about it. And mm -hmm. I want you to trust us that we have your best interests in mind and we're going to work relentlessly until we get back to where we were. So I don't know. I guess I didn't really go through like a big evaluation process in making that decision. I just did what felt right at that point. Well, it sounds to your credit, it sounds like you maybe had some experience with that previously that you learned from the hard way. Mm -hmm. and kind of brought, you know, like you maybe made some mistakes before and you learned from that and you brought it forward. So that's, I mean, yeah. so don't, don't cut yourself so short there. <laughs> I yeah. function off of intuition a lot though. Like I think people ask me about my decision-making processes a lot and I weigh my intuition and like my gut feeling and my thoughts and whatnot more than I think a lot of people do. So for better, for worse. Mm, what do you mean by that? Like, does it usually work out well for you? I mean, I think so. Okay. <laughs> well, that's good. We're here growing the company. I mean, I definitely like seek out the opinions of my mentors and I have a lot of people that I talk to and I take all of that into account, but also there's no one else that can prescribe a path for you. You yeah. have to make those decisions in whatever way feels right to you, right? Yeah. It's such a personal journey. I was just talking to a group of people and the phrase like, oh, it's not personal, it's business. Yeah, but when it's, phrase. I know <laughs> when it's your business, like it's personal, it's personal, it, like it's integrated into every aspect of your life. So yeah, no, it's personal and you need people to run a business. So it's personal. <laughs> mm -hmm. I completely yeah. agree. We just rewrote our culture page and I'm pretty sure I put business is personal is like the headline on it because it is, that's exactly what it is. And that's what we try to live within the company. Yeah, absolutely. So as you've come across some of these maybe difficult times, sounds like a couple of years ago. And then as you know, we've all been kind of facing over the last couple of years, demonstrating true leadership through transparency, but how, how would you say that 
being embracing a vulnerable leader has either changed your leadership style, changed your culture, changed your relationship with your team? How, how have you seen that kind of manifest itself? Being a vulnerable leader and being transparent with people is not something that came naturally to me whatsoever. And it's still at this time, very out of my comfort zone. Like I grew up in a family where my dad was in politics and it was like, if things are wrong, you don't talk about it. We have this like, you know, this thing that we put up where this is how our family looks and we're not going and talking to anyone about issues or whatever. And I think that's also like a generational thing too. You know, like yep. a lot of our parents and our parents' parents, that is how they believed the family should be run. Mm-hmm. And I, I certainly don't fault them for that. But I think that was really ingrained in me as I started my leadership journey. And so I had, I mean, I learned the hard way a bunch of times, you know, I should have been more transparent about this. And it was never a lack of good intentions. However, good intentions do not always translate into a positive perception or even the perception that you're hoping people end up with. Mm -hmm. So it's been a serious journey. I went through a divorce four or so years ago. And at that point, I was like, I need to start looking at myself more because I was always upset with him and Mm. things that he was doing during that time. And we got married really young, you know, and it was just like people change over time. Wasn't a perfect fit. However, I spent a lot of that time blaming him instead of looking at me and figuring out what I could have done to change, change the situation or to make myself happier. And so when I got divorced, I was like, I need to start looking at myself and like figuring out, you know, like, who am I? And why do I act the way that I act? And why do I communicate the way that I communicate? And is that the person I want to be moving Mm. forward? Uh, Because I think a lot of us, you know, we just function as wired and as nurtured. And we don't look at what who we want to be in the future. Yeah. So I don't know, a lot of self reflection, therapy, all that good stuff. And I just started being able to talk about this stuff a little bit more and being more willing to share and understanding how to share a a message that might be tough or might be incorrectly translated in a way that, you know, it landed the way that I wanted it to land. So my employees thank me all the time and they thank the management team all the time for the amount of transparency that we give them. Like every month we review our financial goals. Did we hit them? How is our profit margin looking like they get really good, like deep details into the way that the company is running. And I think it helps them just understand, you know, like why we make the decisions that we do and why we run the company the way that we do. I just think we need to think a little bit harder about like how we lead. And a lot of people, a lot of people don't. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with that. And I think a lot of it comes down to people. And I think, you know, people are the most complex thing out there, right? And and leading and managing people is a full-time job in and of itself. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I think sometimes we fear if we give too much that it could somehow backfire in our face. Mm-hmm. But I think it sounds like we, and I, I share a similar situation, like sometimes when we don't give enough, it backfires in our face. So I think yeah. it's it's that balance of of really understanding your team, caring enough about them as people to really understand them and, and respect them and, and hope that they can receive that information in the right ways. Yeah. 
I definitely think that being transparent shows people that you do respect them, you value their input, and you want them to be aware of what's going on. And most companies don't. Most companies no. don't care. And that's, the tides are shifting now, though. It's totally yep. changing where employees have a lot more power and companies are like, oh, man, how do we figure out how to care about people? And it's like, well, maybe we should have been doing this a while ago. I don't yeah. Know. How do we figure out how to care about people? Wow. Wow. <laughs> okay. Harsh, um, but true. No, it's, it is. It's so true. Um, I have a, a client who's working on, works a lot with the, uh, rebuilding cultures in companies and she's launching a book and uh i'm like oh man this is gonna blow up in the best way because the world needs this so badly right now and people are still trying to figure it out but i think in coming back to transparency i think there's so much to dive into there in terms of how transparent are you as a leader, but also as a human, you know, I think part of that in, in being a vulnerable leader, I know you just mentioned that a couple of years ago, you went through a divorce. And I think, I mean, I can't even imagine how difficult that is, but, Mm -hmm. but I think part of that too, is understanding the vulnerabilities of you as a person. It sounds like you went through quite a journey personally. How was that for you in terms of figuring out how much to share from a personal standpoint with with your team, with your business, with your professional network? Mm-hmm. It's, I don't have a hard and fast rule here. I operate, again, by my intuition. Sometimes I'll write content for like LinkedIn or something and I'll reread it and I'm like, mm, maybe a little too far. And, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, okay, let's edit this a little bit because I want to, it's a delicate balance where you want to look You want to make sure that you aren't complaining. I never want to complain. I never want to whine. So even if I'm like, you know, saying I haven't been feeling the greatest and this is a process that I've been going through to get myself back to where I need to be. I want it to be a productive conversation. Mm -hmm. I never want to be one of those people that shows up and bashes others or complains or you see so much like subtweeting going on online of like, oh, an influencer blocked. And I'm like, oh, come on come on, if we're going to talk, just name them. Like we might as well. It's just, to me, it's toxic and I don't like any of that. So that is one big consideration when I'm figuring out what I want to say and how I want to say it. Other than that, I mean, there are some things that I don't talk about on social media out of sometimes out of respect for other people. Um, you know, like, because like, if I talk about childhood, I respect my parents. I love them very much. I'm not going to go out and be like, hmm, here are all the things that I thought were bad, right? The same with my ex-husband. I respect him. I'm not going to go out. And and I think those are my lines where where other people haven't necessarily signed off on my sharing. And when I can share my own story that doesn't impact other people, great. Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. And especially so many people have different feelings about social and like their personal information and, and like where they draw that line. And I think that's a great, a great line in terms of you never want to dis, like maybe even unintentionally disrespect somebody's boundaries like that. So when it's your truth and it's your story to share. Yeah, for sure. But when other people are involved, it's, uh, you definitely got to be careful about that. I see a lot of people on like, even on LinkedIn, like, oh, my parents were terrible. And these are the things they did to me. And this is why I am the way that I am. And I'm like, I get it. And I'm not saying, you know, 
parents aren't perfect for sure. But it's also like a lot of times, especially my parents were really young when they had me. And as an adult, you realize, especially I was 24 when I had my son, you realize as an adult that your parents were growing up while they were trying to raise you and they were trying to figure out who they were and they were dealing with their own issues. And it's like, I know that mine did the best that they could with the tools that they have. And therefore I'm not willing to go out and talk negatively about them. And so, yeah, I don't know. I guess I just wish more people would like take some of that reflection time and think about it. Not not to say there aren't bad parents out there because there are for sure. For sure. That's just my perspective on it. I agree. I think, and I'm not going to pretend that I know anybody's life history or details or, you know, anything like that. And I, I've always felt pretty lucky. I've got an amazing support system and I love my family as well. But I think, I think we all know like, oh yeah, okay. That's uh, mom did this or dad did this or, you know, okay. Now I'm starting to connect some dots, but I think that's an important context is one of the things I've been playing around with a lot is assuming positive intent mm-hmm. because I think it's so easy for us to assume negative intent and twist narratives all on our own. Mm-hmm. And I think just like you said, if we think about like, if we just assume positive intent, maybe it's not even positive, but like, we're going to give them the benefit of the doubt. We assume positive intent, like they're going to do the best that they can with what they have and what they know and what they don't know. Like, I feel like the, <laughs> this is it's such a big sweeping statement, but I feel like the world would just be a better place. <laughs> I agree. And I think we assign positive intent to ourselves and to our own actions. And Mm -hmm. we give ourselves passes for the way that we communicate and the way that we behave because we had good intentions. But Mm -hmm. then we do not do the same thing for other people. So yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree with you anymore. Yeah. So maybe as like a very straightforward message from this, from this episode, like, let's all just assume positive intent and work on making the world a better place. So yeah. I wish like, yeah, boom, there we go. Love um, <laughs> so, so along that line, you know, um, talking about vulnerable leadership and assuming positive intent and, and all these things, you know, sometimes people might look at you and I both own agencies here in Milwaukee. And some people might be like, oh, well, you guys are competitors. And it's like, yeah, but are we though? Like we do different things. We operate in the same space. I just referred a prospect to you not, not too long ago, you know, cause I was like, yeah. I'm not the right person to serve this person. And I think Jackie might be. And so talk to me a little bit about, and you know, maybe vulnerability plays in here. Maybe it doesn't, but supporting other women in business and entrepreneurship and, and what that journey has been like for you. Yeah. I, on the competition piece, to me, the competition, it doesn't matter. Even if we were direct competitors, I would still sit and have this conversation with you. And I think you would probably do the same, right? Yeah. It's just, I think it comes down to whether you have a scarcity mentality or an abundance mentality, because if you have an abundance mentality, you know, there's enough business out there for you. There's enough business out there for me and every other company that's playing in our space. And there are a lot of them. Yep. So there's no need to to dislike each. I mean, I've walked by other agency owners that I know in Milwaukee, like walking out of a prospect meeting when they're walking in and it's like made the best man or woman win, you know, like, yep. whatever, I uh, it doesn't matter to me, the journey in supporting women. I mean, 
through Women's Entrepreneurship Week, I have met just the most amazing women and female founders and people who want to be founders. And women just don't get the same kind of opportunities that that men often do, period. I think that is a full stop. And anytime I say stuff like that, people are like, oh, well, what about the whataboutism? What yep. about this? And someone called me a mompreneur on LinkedIn the other day. And someone in the comments got really mad, like dads do just as much. And we're not calling them dadpreneurs. And I was like, well, do they? Because the system, I mean, I have a 50-50 partner, but yeah, the system is set up so that women are often doing more in the home. Like, mm -hmm. I think we can just acknowledge that some of this was set up in a way to serve certain people professionally and for other people to do more in the home. It's not that big of a deal. Jesus. I don't know. Um, that was a small tangent, but <laughs> yeah, I, relevant, relevant though. I know. I know. I got involved with a local organization called Boss Ladies and I ended up, that was while I was going through my divorce and I ended up meeting so many women that just had these like really abundant mindsets and were just like totally supporting each other and weren't competitive with each other at all. And it really, I think it helped frame my perspective at just the right time while I was kind of going mm. through some of that soul searching. Um, and then I got involved with Women's Entrepreneurship Week either at the same time or right after that. Yeah, I think um, it's so funny because I was actually just having this conversation earlier today about I, too, have an amazing partner. And and honestly, he probably does more around the house than I do. Like, And that's really lucky for both of us because he's much better at cleaning and all of those fun <laughs> things. I'm really good at buying things from Amazon. Yeah, he's like, I'll go to the grocery store. I was like, it's coming tomorrow. It's on like the 30-day order subscription. It'll be fine. But yeah, I think I think it's partially yeah society but i think also it's hard for us to you you mentioned earlier like it's some it's the way we're wired like i just had this, another conversation earlier today where i was like i'm working really hard to streamline and simplify to create space so i don't work as much but i don't know what to do in that time that i'm trying to free up mm -hmm. like like we just go I don't even know what I have to say about that. It's just more of an observation of like, what are we trying to do? I don't know. Like, I know that that's what I'm supposed to be doing, but I don't know what to do in that space. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think we have similar personalities in that way. Because <laughs> it's like, I can give myself downtime that I'm like, what should I be doing right now? It seems like something should be happening. I'm not just yeah. going to sit here. Am I? Yeah. Am I? That's not a thing. Is it? I, I know. I'm like, yeah, but I need to get my steps in. I've got books I could listen to or read. Mm -hmm. What hobbies do exist? <laughs> like, mm -hmm. yeah, no. I hear you. No, we are definitely on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing that I I also really like to think about uh, or or get creative in terms of problem solving when it comes to business is I think one thing that I hope all small business owners or business owners in general do uh, because this this job is too hard not to is use your business to support your life and take some of the advantages that come with business ownership because it comes with a crap load of responsibilities. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so let's use some of the advantages and, and ways to support our lives uh, as much as we can. So I guess my question for you is like, what would you say Excelity, and I know you're a serial entrepreneur, so feel free to tap into any of your past experiences. But what would you say 
being a business owner has allowed you to accomplish either personally or if there's opportunities financially or professionally that you probably wouldn't have had the opportunity to do if you were just a normal person, yeah, <laughs> for lack of a better phrase. I love that. Uh, I definitely think there is greater earning opportunity. Now, that's not always true because when you start hiring employees and you have a lot, I mean, I have 19, I think, on my team. And so some years I'm like, oh, yay. You know, like I made a bunch of money this year. And some years, like last year, I'm like, oh, I probably could have gotten paid more like going and being a CMO somewhere, you know? Yep. So there is, there <laughs> is that potential. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. I, that's what I was saying about 2020 versus 2021. Like same, I, I thought that 2020 was the hard part. And then last year was the harder part. Who knew? I'm so glad you said that. Cause I was, I'm in the same boat. We got I through know. 2020 and I was like, we did it. Yeah. Look at this. And then at the end of last year, I was like, I have hit rock bottom. This is, <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. I hear you on that. Um, other opportunities. I mean, just being able to have the decision to shut down the office and let everyone work from home that yep. and like we're being able to set the standard of how we listen to employees and how we communicate with them and having that all be done the way that I think it could be done or it should be done versus the way that it's been done in, you know, some big old company and just not having to put up with any of that crap. But there's a lot that you mm-hmm. trade for it, right? Like the yep. the stress and pressure of running your own company and supporting all the people that you employ. And at the end of the day, Ed, everything that happens falls on to you. And mm-hmm. even I suspect that no matter how big we get at some point, when the issues are big enough, they'll still come come right to me. Yep. It's like, whew, it's a, it's a sacrifice, but it's worth it. Um, I also get to travel plenty. So like take my kids places at least a few times a year. My husband and I travel you know, every quarter, at least it's just, that's part of my life that I would not want to give up. And I know I would not be able to travel at the pace that I do if I was employed by someone else, unless they had a really great PTO policy. (laughs) And I think that's a, again, a perfect example of, you have to understand the things that matter most to you and your values and, and just make sure that you're finding ways to bake that into your business. hundred percent. For sure. Jackie, what would you say has surprised you most about your entrepreneurial journey? Hmm. That's a good question. My first thought was that I didn't know how hard it was going to be. I knew it was going to be hard, right? I was like, okay, not everyone does this. It's probably going to suck in some ways. It's really freaking hard. And it doesn't get any easier, to be honest. The challenges get bigger and the things that were hard last year might not be hard for me anymore this year, but there are new hard things that come along and sometimes they're even harder. I think that I kind of always thought there was going to be this time where, you know, I hit a certain revenue or amount or I had certain people in place and it was going to be easier. Yep. And it just straight up isn't. That's a lie. If anyone tells you that it's not true. (laughs) Nope, not at all. So I think, I don't know, just like the amount of grit and determination required I had an idea, but I definitely, I didn't totally know what I was getting myself into. Yeah. Well, and uh, shameless plug, I know you talk all about the art of entrepreneurship in your podcast. So mm-hmm. shameless plug for Jackie's podcast, if anybody wants to dive deeper into the nitty gritty details of entrepreneurship, definitely check that out. So Jackie, I know we're going to wrap up here in just a moment, but if we were to say, look, 10 years into the future, what would you say? 10 years from now, Jackie would say to current day Jackie. 
I think that I still need to think bigger than I do. I think that 10 years from now, Jackie would be like, take the risks and keep going and do it bigger. Like there's a lot of things I want to do with this company that I think I could probably start moving on now if I was willing to take the risks. But it's always like, you're always waiting for the perfect time. It's like waiting to have like kids, you know, like I'm waiting for the perfect time to have kids. Well, there's no freaking time that's perfect ever in your life to do it. Right. And so, I, yeah, I think that's what I would say to myself. Take the risk. Okay. Okay. I got two more questions for you. <laughs> uh, two more questions. So oftentimes as we get into business, and I think a lot of people, especially agency owners, end up being what we'll call like accidental owners. Like we get into doing this thing and there's like, oh, I, I've owned a business now. And oftentimes we're trying to do something to make a difference or leave a legacy. What is the difference you want to make or the legacy you want to leave? Well, in my family, I want to be the start of generational wealth. And I think that my parents did a great job with everything that they had. And I really want like, I was just telling my son this, he's 11 years old. And he's like, I'm worried that I'm not going to be successful. I keep changing my careers in my mind. And I was like, <laughs> you're, you're in fifth grade. It's going to be okay. That's amazing. You know, and I, and I was like, and mommy's always going to make sure that you are okay. You know? And, yeah. and I want, I want there to be that like stability and sense of pride in the family and what, you know, like what we've been able to do. Um, outside of that, I have big dreams of impacting Milwaukee on a greater scale as well. I'm a foster adoptive foster parent. And I think I've just, I know we all hear about the stories of how screwed up this city is. Um, a lot of people live it. And I got to see a lot more than most as a foster parent. And it's just, mm-hmm. there's not enough being done about the problems in this city. Uh, I was on a, on a panel maybe two months ago. And everyone always wants to talk about why we can't attract more investment dollars and more startups to Milwaukee. And it's like, well, let's talk about the, ins- the, the deeply rooted issues in this city that are that to me is like the first thing that someone needs to start addressing. And I feel like people certainly are. You know, there are lots of organizations. There's a race happening for new for a new mayor that has ideas mm-hmm. on all of this. But it's, you know, it's all these these little things that are happening. And I would love for some somehow for all of that to come together. Um, I'm sure it would require a lot of money um, just, to, <laughs> just to make a bigger, I know, just to make a bigger impact. Yeah. I don't know what that looks like, but we'll see. Someday. Love it. This is a great city, but it is flawed, just like most things and most people. <laughs> for sure. All right, Jackie, to wrap things up here, what would you say is your greatest insight or discovery? between life and entrepreneurship? Hmm. I think it is important to show up the same way everywhere and be the same person everywhere. And it took me a long time to figure out how to be the same person that I am with my family, with my friends, in my business, online even. Yeah. And just because we're taught that you have to be a different person in different situations. And I think that is deeply ingrained in people. So Mm -hmm. I would say I have finally gotten comfortable enough where I show up as myself everywhere. And that's really freaking cool. And I wish I would have started thinking about that earlier. So maybe that's a good takeaway for people. I love that. And I think that ties right back to being a vulnerable leader and just being honest in who you are. Thank you so much, Jackie. If people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach out? LinkedIn. I'm in the DMs. 
constantly. So hit me up there. I'm happy to happy to chat or answer any questions. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jackie. We'll make sure that people find you easily. And uh, thank you again. It's been a pleasure. Yes. Thank you. To continue learning how to better build your business and make your vision a reality, subscribe to the Welcome to Eloma email list at welcometoeloma.com. 